1: Hello and welcome to the Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined as ever by Rob Blanchett to talk all things Manchester United, who have strengthened their grip on top four in the Premier League. They have six games left to play. And by our reckoning, they probably need to win three of those six. Three of those games are at home, but they face two away matches this week. They played Brighton on Thursday. And West Ham on sunday evening uh with me as i mentioned rob
2: blanchett how are you doing not bad not bad a little bit still itchy in this title running like obviously we're not going to win the title are we but we're looking for that top four place and that's really important to us for our development but quietly confident that united are trying to get business done the next game really truly is a cup final you know, at Brighton against a really, really good side. So let's see if United can take care of business because I think they're just about doing it for me, especially if we have got the injuries, you're still getting around those things and the performances have been pretty strong. Yeah, I'm just going to,
1: we're a minute in, minute 10 seconds in, I'm just going to preface this episode. I know you've been getting a lot of questions, Rob. We're not going to talk about the situation for today. Uh, we all know what's unfolding Regarding that, we have obviously seen the protests at Old Trafford uh, in the lead up to the Villa game. There is pieces of information being thrown around from one party through another through the Glazers. Um, All a big my approach to this, all a big game. It's all a big public game, and Rob and I feel as though that we will wait until there's something definitive uh, to, you know, preferred bidder or something like that to then maybe unpack the situation and everything that's happened or could happen. So that that's uh, where we sit on that, because all conjecture, uh, I think, you know, everything is uh, played out in the public eye. And I think, yeah, I've talked a lot about the ownership situation, actually. I've talked a minute on it. So, Rob, um, I'll pass to you.
2: <laughs> yeah, look, we know what we know. And we're going to put it on ice and we're doing that deliberately because there's a lot of misinformation out there being fed to fans via certain channels and whatnot. Um, and we don't want to go there. We don't want to be part of that ecosystem. It stinks. And some of the reasoning around why things are being said are not true and not real. And we need to kind of sit tight. So I think that's kind of where we stand, both as football fans and as journalists. And we kind of want to see stuff play out. And we'll go with the official lines, because I think that's the smart thing to do here. We, you know, all, all the rumours in the world don't really mean anything. As you've just said that, now I've spoken one minute about the ownership. I shall,
1: I'll just bottom line that with obviously, you know, that Rob and I do obviously would, li- would like to see the Glazers leave Manchester
2: United. 100%. That is, that is one thing we can
1: yeah. Anyway, uh, we will move on. We'll talk about the football today on the pitch uh, and maybe look ahead a little broader to the remainder of the season. Six games to go in the Prem plus one FA Cup final in one month and one day from where mm. we record this. Um, so five-ish weeks left of the season. United in a good position. They have just beaten Aston Villa 1-0, who were top of the form table for a little while over the last 10, 11 games. So difficult game. Good performance, uh, road the luck at times, obviously, but I think that's just what we've come to expect uh, from Man United. We know the bigger picture. We know the things that need to be fixed in the summer. We know how it's a long-term project. But the job is to get the job done now. And we're six games left in the Premier League, so United just need to get over the line, and that's what we'll be focusing on. We'll talk maybe today about whether they are equipped to do that job. So we'll look at the bigger picture. We'll look at if United are able to manage the season with the rest of the squad that they have available, given the injuries and given some partnerships that we're starting to see develop on the pitch. We'll also talk about uh, we have Anthony Martial on the agenda. Uh, Eric ten Hag, we feel like is making some decisions on his squad, and it's it's being seen in the team selections he's getting for the longer term. Uh, but yes, subscribe to our show. Wherever you get your pods, we do Tuesdays and Fridays. On Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes and YouTube as well. You can watch us over there. So like, subscribe, join the community for us. Leave a five-star review on the uh, audio platforms. Leave a comment for us and a subscription on YouTube. Get in touch with us as well on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at Promised Land MU for the show. So, bigger picture. I've mentioned it a couple of times already, Rob, but United are in a strong position I think they need to win. Now, this is say, like, Brighton, I think, can still achieve like 73 points, but they have a very, very difficult run in. I think they play all most of the teams above them before the end of the season. So, I mean, I don't think I'm going to jinx it, but I don't think they're going to win the rest of the games. So I'm, I'm touching wood here. Uh, Liverpool, the team that maybe have the best chance of Pippin United or Newcastle to a Champions League position. But United and Newcastle just simply need to do their job. United play, I believe... I'm just looking at the fixtures here. Brighton away, West Ham away, Wolves at home, Bournemouth away, Chelsea home and Fulham at home on the last day of the season. Can United get nine points out of that final final six games, Rob?
2: They can, but I I think the thing is now that, that form isn't really what's important. This is, as I said last week, stage management. How do you go into games make sure you don't concede goals. And sometimes that's a dangerous way of looking at it. But but ultimately, the work of the season is done. You've just now got to get over the line. You've just got to make sure that you've got top four by hook or by crook. Doesn't matter if it's third, doesn't really matter if it's fourth. Just make sure you're above fifth. So I think United are doing that well at the moment and said don't really want to kind of jinx things. Uh, When you look at the two recent games against the teams on the cusp of the top four, so let's say Spurs and you look at Villa, they're what you kind of what we call six-pointers, aren't they? And that's where you have to make sure you don't lose those games because you kind of lose that momentum one way or the other. It can really boost those other teams. But you drew against Spurs, you should have beat them. I think we all agree on that. And I think with Villa, Villa just, for me, just didn't have enough gas in the tank. That was it. You know, they couldn't get the ball to Watkins. They couldn't really knit it together in the final third. And I think Luke Shaw, once again, had a tremendous game at centre-back. And he, he seems to be growing into this role... Ever so much so, think about losing Martinez. Well, sure's not missed, you know, not Mr. Heartbeat, as he? he's absolutely almost been perfect in that position. So, difficult game at Brighton. I think that they've had just an incredible season. I think Deserby is definitely up there to be nominated for Manager of the Year. Taking a football club from a guy like Graham Potter, whose stock was really high, went to Chelsea and now hasn't got a job. And Deserby's made them even better. And I think that's a, a real credit to him. They've got a fantastic squad. Uh, and I think that they'll carry it out next season as well.
1: Yes, indeed. Brighton, a very difficult game. Obviously, they gave United a few rocky moments in the FA Cup semi-final just a few days ago. Uh, but like I say, I think I, I've said this phrase a lot over the last few weeks is just don't lose. <laughs> because they they didn't listen at Newcastle. Uh, they should have won at Tottenham. But they didn't. Obviously, they, they let their two goal leads slip there. Brighton are another team in the top nine of the Premier League and United have not beaten any of those teams away from home no. this season. I think even going, going there to win is a big ask, even when United, uh, when United were visiting Brighton just after they'd been promoted. I, I, I remember watching this game at the Amex quite a few times. United have been bad quite a few times. Mm. Uh, and obviously Brighton have just beaten Wolves 6-0 as well. So uh, they, they will have to be very much on their game. Brighton are very good at creating chances, getting shots on goal, uh, playing in the right areas. They're good at working it forwards. United will have to rely on some of the partnerships that they've created over the past few games in order to get through this one. So Lindelof and Shaw looks to be the first choice partnership in the absence of Lisandro Martinez and Raphael Varane. Is there enough in this that you've seen to give you confidence
2: that these two can do the job for the rest of the season?
1: And it does Harry Maguire come back into this.
2: Well, for me, Harry Maguire doesn't come back in. Like, he might well have played his final minute for Manchester United, potentially. Um, my worrying element here is that you just said they they won 6-0 and that was obviously off the back of a defeat, which was a surprise. But the other surprise, of course, was that the Zerbi completely rotated for that game against Wolves and took out Matoma, took out some of the most important players and is still one by six. So I think that kind of shows true depth in their system. Yeah, I mean, individually, they're not all that, but when you put them together as a collective, they're really, really good. So you'll, you'll see those guys start again. And, and that's what worries me because Man United have been on this grind now for a few weeks and there's definitely tiredness there. We're seeing that with individuals on the football pitch and, that has compromised some performances. But Brighton should be relatively fresh for this one. And I think they know that this is the knockout punch in many ways. That Their chance to carry on and to carry on their trajectory for the end of the season is to beat Manchester United at home. So I think this is a really, really tough game for United. United are going to have to be perfect in the sense of the defensive function. So you've just mentioned Shaw and Lindelof there. Lindelof's had a really good few games and, you know, It worries me against Matoma. That's the kind of player I think that can hurt him in the channel. Uh, We've seen that wan has dropped out again. So that's quite interesting because I think he might come back in and go in and man-mark Matoma in that space. That might help things. But I do want to give Malassia a little bit of love because obviously I criticised him quite harshly last week and I did say, is he playable or not? I called him unplayable. And he had a really good game against Villa. He kind of stepped up his standards So... Some variables there, Scott, and I think when you go to somewhere like Brighton, like you just said, there don't lose, don't concede a goal. If you can't, if you don't concede a goal, guess what? You don't lose. So that's the way you have to look at it: is to go there and have a, a defensive mindset of not giving the ball away cheaply, because that's always been Man United's think Achilles' heel through the whole of this campaign.
1: Yes, Brighton have a run in which is really they play United, they play Everton on Monday, but then they go to Arsenal and to Newcastle. They also go. To Aston Villa on the last day of the season. They also play Manchester City before the end of the season. As well. It's a tough they have, running. They have a very tough running. Yeah, uh, and I'd be very surprised if they could win all of those games. But you know, United's big aim for the season was top four and mm-hmm. win a trophy. Am I rewriting history there? What, what was what was your aim for the start of the season?
2: Well, my my aim was top four. But again, a lot of the shows that I've done and a lot of the people I've spoken to. All had that as a as a little tick box exercise, like win your first trophy, because that was obviously Ole's Achilles' heel, wasn't it? Like, Ole could mm-hmm. never get that first trophy. Like he had a thousand semifinals and and a few and a final here there, and uh, and couldn't get any silverware. So again, I know fans want all of those things, but for me, in terms of your trajectory in your project, it was always just about top four. So that's what pleases me the most is that they they've done that we were saying off camera, weren't we Scott, that can you imagine, and we are just imagining here, we're only a month away, if Manchester United beat Manchester City in the FA Cup final, that would be the perfect end to any season, because that would be history, obviously stopping City from winning or getting closer to that treble. Fingers crossed, Hala Madrid and all of these things, you know, we all know who we're supporting in that competition. Um, but City are on a roll, aren't they? They're playing really, really good football. You, you would not be surprised if they pushed away towards a treble. And for us, you see, top four is still the most important thing. I'm trying not to think about that cup final. But ultimately, what what way to end the season? One way or the other?
1: The players should not be thinking about that cup final. I know Eric ten no. Harvey is not thinking about that cup final. There's a job to do and he...
2: It feels a long way away, doesn't it? Is it is a long way away. You know, it's... a month feels like a long way. And, you know, you can get plenty of injuries at in that time. But you can also get, get players back.
1: Yes, indeed. So you know, I do have their chance for more... Donny van de Beek thinks he's
2: back? Sorry? Is, it, is, van I Baker.
1: haven't seen that today, is it? Donny van de Beek has
2: said, I'm training, I'm back and I'm not far away and let's see where where we go. So like he said, um, I, I, I don't know how casual that is as well. Like I think that because he's back on a football pitch doesn't necessarily mean that you're close to being back into match contention, but would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Because I think... I think his injuries actually brought in more time at Man United. I think it's being out of the scene might now, you know, we, we think of him as like a goner, don't we? We think that he's not viable. But that was, right. ten... was gonna be my comment. Yeah, if Eric Ten Hag thinks that maybe I need some variation at number ten because I'm playing Bruno Deeper and everywhere else, and I'm playing Ericsson more as a kind of six eight. then then there is potentially a space for a player like van It's just that we don't think he's good enough. We think we've seen enough. But you never know. Injuries sometimes take you out of the firing line. When you come back in, you've got the opportunity to prove yourself once again. He said, I'm busy with my recovery after my injury and everything's going well to
1: MUTV. It's hard to give you a time, but Mm. we have to see how everything goes. I'm doing a lot of gym work and getting closer to being on the pitch, which is positive. I'm not far away. I don't think he's getting back by the end of the season. No. Uh, it's it's a bit strange missing so many games. Of course you want to be there with the lads, but it is what it is, so I'm supporting from from the side. They're so involved, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. They're really good lads and they support me. Lovely
2: comments. We do one. know we we know that he's recovered really well. So like this is the kind of the the information coming out of United. So I think that they feel that that they don't want to rush him anyway. But again, Scott, like you said, a month to go to the cup final, a lot of things can happen in that time. You don't want to rush players back, but you saw, didn't you, with Eriksen's injury that United had him straight back in as quick as possible because you haven't really got tons of options in that part of the park. So um, there's still the the issue with Fred and how Fred's playing and all of this. So if Van der Beek even gets back for the cup final, wouldn't that be a a strange one on the bench or something like that to help Man United out? Um, And I think kind of like two, three, four weeks potentially to come back, but I would rather see him in pre-season or maybe at another football club. That was where I
1: was going to go with it. He's fit enough to uh, potentially cash in. Difficult anyway. to
2: sell after an injury, though, and, and and two years of really bad form. So, yeah. you know, if United, if United want to make 10 pence back on him, that's okay, but we'll, we'll see. I, I, get, I get a funny feeling, Scott, that he's probably going to stick around. I don't know why. I just think this manager will we'll give him one more opportunity next season.
1: We'll see. Uh, you mentioned there, Rob, about the uh, FA Cup final obviously coming. Mm. One point that I wanted to make, which I don't know if anybody realises, this, this game against Brighton is Man United's penultimate midweek game of the season. It is the penultimate midweek game of the season. They only have one more in the final week of the season against Chelsea. So... Because they're out with the Europa League, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so this is playing into United's hands in a sense because they've not had a chance. I think they've been playing every.
0: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
1: Three days since the resumption. Yeah. Since the World Cup. Incredible. Which is an incredible feat, really. Maybe there's been one week off, I, I, but even I don't. I don't even think that might be the case. I, I think these players have had a lot to deal with this season, and I think that recuperation time in the running might be quite crucial as well for them.
2: And this is why, with a bit of realism injected into the conversation, you know, everyone was disappointed with what happened against Severe, and it was very much a Manchester United thing imposed on themselves, you know, with their own performance level. But you need the rest. If, if, if it means carrying on in the Europa to the final, maybe even winning the Europa, but you come fifth because you're absolutely shattered and your squad simply cannot get over the line in the Premier League. For me, there is absolutely no way that the Europa League has the same kind of relevance as, as being in the top four. Yes, people will say if you win the Europa League, there's a Champions League backdoor and all of these things. But I don't think that's the way you should prioritise stuff. I think you really should look at this top four and that's your bread and butter. You've got to stick with that. And of course, that's where Man United are now.
1: Yes, indeed. That is less (laughs) midweek matches for Man United to watch as the other teams in Europe Mm -hmm. go forward. They play Chelsea at Old Trafford in the penultimate game of the season, I do believe. And we'll see how they manage to go. But like we say, there are three game, three wins that United need to take to realistically seal top four. Yeah. Anyway, let's switch the agenda up. We've talked about Luke Shaw and Victor Lindelof. We've talked a little bit about how United managed the rest of the season with the current squad and the injury situation. Let's talk Anthony Martial because mm. quite a weird one, actually. I mean, when we all saw that Martial was finally fit again and then he got injured, and then he was finally fit again and he was worked into Ten Hag's system with minutes here and there. We all kind of assumed that Martial would start as a centre-forward, the centre-forward for the remainder of the season. Mm -hmm. But it's not really working out that way. Maybe it does against Brighton. We'll see. But Ten Hag has favoured Marcus Rashford in that role over the past few games, and it's allowed Jadon Sancho to have more time in the team, Mm -hmm. and it's allowed Bruno Fernandes to move to the right when Anthony needs
2: to rest and this kind of thing. So is the writing on the wall here? Potentially. like I think the things with Martial is that we all wanted to see more from him this year, more minutes, more goals, more involvement. And I think we all do feel that when Martial is fit and firing and in the team, Manchester United are just a better outfit from, from the middle of the park to the top end. But I do think that the manager's run out of patience now, as, as have all of us. So here you are in this run-in, and you would love to get some additional minutes out of, of Martial. And yeah, he, he can give you 20 minutes here and there, half an hour. But it's just precarious when he starts, because you just feel he's going to get hurt. And he does. So like, I think you know, going into the summer, we 100% know that a lot of our shows and a lot of things we're going to be talking about is that bloke who plays for England at the top end of the pitch and Tottenham Hotspur. We know that is coming, uh, and that will develop kind of organically in the next few weeks. And it does mean that kind of anti-Martial, you know, if he's happy to be a bench piece, great. I'm not quite sure he will be. Whether he thinks also his body's not up to it, I don't know. He's not exactly old, is he? But you saw that the manager went with Marcus in this game. And, And for me, Scott, the issue there is is that when you play the 4-1-5 with Marcus Rashford at the top end of the pitch, Marcus just is not as good as a nine off the ball. And that's important. It is important. Fans do A lot of fans don't get that and don't want to buy into that. But for me, Marcus is just so much better off the left where he's got much space. I think when you look to what Villa did, Villa kind of really did part the bus for long periods of the game. A lot of players in midfield playing quite a high line at times and United were just trying to break that high line with Rashford's pace. There were so many balls, Scott, from from our angle in the stadium, which was kind of like diagonals going over the top of Mings. And it was just like, let's see if we can beat him on the chase. It worked once or twice, but it's not exactly tactical miracles. Do you know what I mean? And you've actually see Man City do this a lot now with Haaland. They've gone that way as well, playing something a bit longer and a bit more kind of what you would say, agricultural. But I do think with Marcus is that I don't really want to see him start games through the middle. I think that he is a much more potent threat from the left. As you said, Jaden Sancho taking his minutes and taking them fairly well. Like, I think he's played okay and he's slowly but surely improving. And it would be nice, wouldn't it, that if he ends the season with just that extra bit of confidence, with playing minutes and actually having good performances. I mean, Man United get top four and he's a part of that. All power to, to him. I think that's that will be a great end to the season for him. And he can go into the summer, have a little bit of a rest and get ready to go again.
1: So how do you think they set up at Brighton then? Because obviously Brighton are very much a front foot team. Yeah. Marcus Rashford has, against Brighton in the past, enjoyed himself uh, by getting in behind the defence. So will we expect to see more of the same? Because Brighton will really try and imprint themselves on this game and he might be a good counter-attacking option for United if they're going to play that way. And also, we are speaking in the context here of six games. Just because you don't want to see Marcus Rashford play through the middle, we all know that Man United are trying to sign a striker. Eric Ten Hag even confirmed that Mm -hmm. last week. So is it just a case of horses for courses? Let's get over the line by doing it this way and then we'll change later on.
2: Yeah, look, I think the selection had one eye on this Brighton game for the Villa match. So I think when United play that 4-1-5 at home, that's something they're comfortable with. They've done it all season long. Bruno playing wide is nothing new. It's against you off camera. Him not playing the number 10 just seems to be the thing. That happens every week. He plays everywhere else but the 10. Uh, and he played well off the right again, you know, in that match. And I think when you look at maybe the setup here of United... I think we'll switch away to a 4 3 3. They'll go to something a little bit more conventional. That's what the maths has told us when we've looked at United in these games. They go to a more kind of 4 3 3. Bruno drops back into midfield. Anthony comes back in. And then your press is not as dynamic, but you stick with it and you go a little bit longer. So you'll see that David De Gea won't be slotting the ball out to one of the fullbacks or anything like that. David De Gea is going to be playing it into the channel. And then, and then you can maybe go in Martial, can't you? Maybe from the start, give him an hour and have Rashford off the left, have maybe Sancho as your you know, star on the bench, if he can come on and help change things if you need it. So this is a game, Scott, again, where you can't get away from the fact that Man United don't need to win it. You actually don't need to score goals here. You need to not concede them. Nil-nil is a fantastic result in this scenario. It's not the thing that's going to please fans, but you are not here to please fans anymore. You are here to please yourself and make sure and please your manager and get over the line. So I think I, I think you have to not just nullify Brighton, but you use the knowledge of the of the cup semi-final, what happened the other day. And that is that Brighton were probably the slightly the better team, but you ground that out. And You're gonna to have to take that again, work hard 4-3-3 shape, Bruno deeper, don't lose the ball, Ericsson in there. And what what we said, those three when they start Casemiro, Ericsson, and Bruno as a midfield three as a triplet, man United don't lose. So that tells you, I think, where what Ten Hal's gonna do. He's gonna put those midfielders, in there, keep it really tight, try and keep possession. And then hit them on transition. If you can, you know, Marcus has got that pace from wide areas. Anthony's got that pace. And we know Martial's fantastic in transition. So that, that's going to be, I think, the game plan. I don't think there's going to be anything like crazy. I don't think we're going to suddenly see uh, Harry Maguire play the Franz Beckenbauer sweeper system. And we'll see that United try and do something completely crazy or that we don't know. We, this manager likes to do what he knows. And I think that he'll repeat that at Brighton. You mentioned Casemiro. Yep. He played a lot better
1: than recently at the weekend. Much better. What has it been about... I I think there's a lot to do with him. And Ten Hag does say this uh, publicly. The rhythm is Mm. really important to him. You know, being there and playing regularly and not having as many big gaps in... Gaps between matches as he's had this season. Obviously, some Mm -hmm. of them are because of his red cards. Uh, But... Yeah, he looked more like the player that we know and that we've seen this season.
2: Yeah, he did an interview before the game, and he said, you know, he talked quite candidly about how the complications and the difficulty to maintain performance when you play so many games. So, yeah, like you've just highlighted there, he's had suspension, so we kind of think, well, you've all had a bit of a holiday, haven't you, Casemiro? You're all right. But I still think these things take its toll on your body and your mind. And we've seen with Casemiro, he looks slow up here, Scott. Like, like his action looks slower. Now, what we saw against Villa was that that action was improved. So, on the deck, moving the ball, coverage, he was thinking in a much more clearer state. And we actually saw as well I don't know if you saw this, but he had this like bit of an argument with Bruno at yeah, the end was, of the match. Yeah. And obviously, a little bit was made of that. And it's really much to do about nothing. But it was like, you know, Casemiro again making demands of other players and vice versa from Bruno. And that's great because that means you're competitive. That means you want to win. That means you're going to push each other. And that was more evident. I think maybe with Casemiro, since he's come out from the suspension, that hasn't quite been there. He's looked a little bit soft mentally, but I think that's to do with, with number of games and all sorts going on. There's a lot of pressure at Manchester United. So sometimes you just can't produce your best, but this is the time of the season. As I said, form does not mean anything. Get over the line, get the wins, get the draws, don't drop points and then go on holiday. Oh, yeah, but also stop Manchester City in the FA Cup final.
1: On the clips to come from that game, Jadon Sancho telling Bruno to stop moaning. Yeah. Any... any? <laughs> I didn't actually... I didn't see the game in full this this time. So, hmm. uh, any uh, context behind that, Ron?
2: Do you know what? I don't really mind if players moan really in general. Like, it is sometimes, you know... View differently culturally in England, you know, we, we, we look at people and point fingers and go, well, why is that person from Portugal moaning and all of this? Is it something to do with that? No, it isn't. It's just what football is. And I, as long as you win, Scott, I don't really mind the moaning. The bit maybe I don't like is that if it affects the equilibrium of the team. So like if someone, you know, wants to have a go at a referee and wants to continue that and that affects how a referee then referees a the game because you're in him and in his ear. I don't think that's clever, and I think Bruno does need to watch his gob sometimes. I really do, but it's quite interesting that someone like Jaden, who I think is quite mild mannered and maybe doesn't have the outward expression of of someone who's like constantly, you know, a battler or a fighter, and that thing's always questioned. It's interesting that he says to him, you know, keep it shut. Let's get on with the game. I like that again. That that shows again a collective responsibility that hasn't been always evident at Manchester United. We will be
1: doing, yes, a shorter show today. I mean, I've come to the end of my running order. Uh, we usually do 40, 45 minutes, but obviously we're between matches. Uh, we did a transfer special last week, mm-hmm. which I would, uh, if you haven't already, go back and listen or watch that, listen to or watch that. We did it last Wednesday, I believe we released it. So, uh, yeah, that is more forward thinking in terms of transfers. So we don't want to cover the same ground or we'll maybe leave any updates for another another day. We'll be back Friday. Any uh, final thoughts from you though, Rob?
2: Well, I did say to you before the show, and I think I say all the time, like we can't do any more Harry Kane at the moment, but I'm going to do a little bit of Harry Kane just to, to to end the show. I I am going to do a little bit of Harry Kane because if Harry Kane was just cruising towards the end of the season, then like, we'd be like, "Mm, okay, it's nothing really to talk about. Harry Kane is playing out of his skin. Absolutely trying to take his team to the top four as close as it can be. And I think that it just needs a little bit more credit, Scott. Like, people look at him, and I don't really understand a lot of the kind of dourness towards him. Um, as I've said before, I'm not the biggest Harry Kane fan of all time. You know, that's, I'm really just not. What he's done and what he's doing at Tottenham Hotspur, in a complete basket-case football club at the moment, is astonishing that he still has the professionalism to try and push that team forward. Now, I like that. Because we need that at Man United, so this is not. Let's this is the Harry Kane segment, and we probably will have to do a Harry Kane segment for five seconds every week till he signs for us. But let's see where that goes. Because I think with Harry Kane is that he upgrades you multiple levels, and I'm going to keep saying it. And this is why he is Manchester United's number one target. He's playing so well, Scott. Like like in in such a bad team, and he's somehow keeping Tottenham Hotspur relevant. Just about on his own.
1: Tottenham doing their best on the whole, though, to make themselves irrelevant. Completely. Performance you know what? Going 3-0 down to Liverpool a week after you were 5-0 down in 20 minutes, spending the entire time of that game, yeah. fighting your way back into it just to give a goal up as cheap as they did. What must he be thinking?
2: I think as Gary Neville put it, it's like the most bursting ever. And that's what he said when when Lucas Moore came on huff and puff for two minutes and then plays that ball at the inside when he could just literally smash it down the line and the game's over. Just so Spursy, so Tottenham, and so rubbish. And I think Harry Kane has probably had enough.
1: Well, let's hope Man United don't fall into that same trap and uh, relinquish their position from here. It's a strong position. Yeah. We know. Well, they just, we could really do without two defeats in the next five
2: days. Just four points. I'll happily take. Don't you know, lose. Keep, just d- don't just lose. Stop losing. Just make sure you don't go, just make sure you don't let go of the ball. Don't drop the ball at this stage. It's, it's almost harder to lose these games if you know what I mean. Like, you you just need to kind of be professional. And I do like that, Scott. I think that's what we're seeing with United. There's a, there is a professionalism about what it, what they're doing. Think about the Brighton game with the cup final, or the semi-final, is that, that United did that through being professional. I think Brighton were a slightly better team, but United were the, were the best, more professional team. And when it came to the crunch, they got that one extra penalty and you win the game. So United need to apply that science now for the rest of the campaign.
1: We'll be back on Friday after the Brighton Games takes place on Thursday night. Let's hope you can get a result there. Subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods. Apple, Google, Spotify and the likes. Give us a five-star review. Leave a comment or a review for us as well. That would be lovely. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment there as well. Get the engagements up. And uh, follow us on Twitter as well, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promised Land MU for the show. Like I say, we'll be back on Friday to unpack what's happened in the Brighton game and look ahead to West Ham. But Rob, thanks again. Always a pleasure. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon for another Promised Land episode.
0: This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes